Why do kids play sports? Is it to go pro or earn a scholarship? Or are they looking for extraordinary experiences that they can build on for the rest of their lives? I want to help the next generation of parents and coaches keep youth sports about the kids. And I am so glad that you're joining me. And welcome back for another episode of the Kid First Sports Podcast. I am Coach Dave. It's been a really exciting month for Kid First Sports. I've been running coach and parent workshops, and I've been getting these phone calls from coaches around the country, and they have stories they want to tell me that are just either heartbreaking or heart-assuring, whatever the opposite of heartbreaking is. I've also been hearing stories from kids, my own kids' friends, telling me voluntarily about their coach experiences. It's pretty wild. So my dream is for every youth coach, parent, volunteer, whoever, to be kid first, not win first. To encourage adults to stop sucking the fun out of sports for kids. Why? Because 70% of kids quit playing sports of any kind by age 13. Why? Because the adults forget what it's like to be a kid and they kill the fun vibe. So I'm building the Kid First Coaching and Kid First Parents training course and videos, working on a children's book about the four heart lessons, which I'll talk about soon. If this sounds like something you could support, please leave a review, share the podcast, talk to your friends. Just want to do good for the kids. So with that, I'm a little bit starstruck today, hanging out with Marshall Allen, who's a journalist and author, and he's been fueling this huge shift in the way that people deal with outrageous healthcare costs. Marshall, welcome to the Kid First Sports Podcast. Thanks for having me here, David. Hey, man, it's an honor. Let's talk about you just for a little bit here. You wrote a book, and this book has been everywhere. I've been seeing it everywhere. Oh, by the way, and I refer it and send it to people who deal with outrageous healthcare costs. It's something that touches pretty much everybody. What's the name of your book, and why did you even kind of get in and say, hey, I need to write a book about this? The book is called Never Pay the First Bill and Other Ways to Fight the Healthcare System and When. And I've heard it described as the art of war for healthcare. It's really (laughs) a guide for patients and for employers to learn how to get a better deal on healthcare. Because what's been happening right now in our healthcare system for working Americans is they have been paying more and more and more every year and getting less and less and less for their money. And it's totally unjustified. And there's a lot that individuals can do about it. And there's a lot that employers can do about it. And so that's what I'm showing people what to do. If you know how to navigate the healthcare system and avoid unreasonable prices or how to negotiate a medical bill, if it's overpriced or inaccurate, or how to win an insurance company appeal, if your insurance company has denied payment for services that you should be receiving. If you learn those tactics, you can save hundreds or thousands of dollars per healthcare encounter. About one in six or one in seven Americans has medical debt in collections. Mm. So if that's not you or people listening to this right now, you certainly know people who have medical debt in collections. No doubt. Total burden on people. And I'm showing people how to win because winning is possible. So that's the book. That's my mission. I created Allen Health Academy. To promote the book, I create a series of health literacy videos. Those can be found at allenhealthacademy.com. And if anybody ever needs help, I say this on every podcast and I'm serious, message me on my website. My website is marshallallen.com. I help people all the time. I've raised money through my newsletter to hire professional patient advocates to help people. Mm. So I help people for free every day 
contact me. If you have an issue navigating the system, I'll, I'll show you what to do. That is amazing. And I guarantee you there are people listening to this who could benefit. As you talked about winning an insurance appeal or negotiating a healthcare bill, I'm thinking about people just in my normal life. How many of them feel confident taking on these massive, massive companies? And whether it's, it might even be your own doctor. Like, well, I love my doctor. He always takes care of me. She always takes care of me. That's what they charge. So that's what I want to pay. Or the insurance company is just too big. I don't know how to deal with it, right? Are those the kinds of things that you're hearing from people? Absolutely. I mean, people are mystified by our healthcare system. It's totally complicated. It's opaque. It's not built for the patients in mind. And people feel very lost and they've never been trained and taught how to navigate the system. But what I like to say is that healthcare literacy is financial literacy. Mm. And so just like you have to learn how to balance your checkbook or how to look at your credit card statements or make a budget so that you don't overspend or get taken advantage of, these are skills, these are financial literacy skills that people need to learn about the healthcare system because the stakes are so high. And just with yeah. one error in a bill, people could be bankrupted or one insurance company failing to live up to their contractual obligations. Yep. Families can be bankrupted. I have a newsletter. The newsletter is at marshallallen.substack.com. It's free. Subscribe to it. So anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun and I feel really blessed to be able to do this work. Yeah. I mean, what a mission. And I don't want to spend the whole time on this, although I think we could this and more. It can feel a little bit like David against Goliath, and, and it's nice to hear you kind of showing David how to pick up the stone and put it in the sling and, and yep. whip it around his head. So you mentioned about stories and reviews. On your website, I think they're called victory stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there one that sticks out to you that's like, I got to tell this story? I mean, there's, there's tons of them. I could go on and on, but one that I love is a mom in Texas named Jenny Sisson, and you know, just an everyday mom taking care of her family, managing her household. And her daughter had to go to a hospital in Texas because she was having appendicitis. Mm. The yeah. appendix mm. hadn't actually ruptured. She went to the regional hospital in a really rural area. They weren't able to do the surgery there. So she ended up getting transferred to a different hospital, a bigger hospital where they actually removed the child's appendix. And the first hospital bill came in and she looked at the bill. Again, I tell everyone, get an itemized bill with the billing codes because those billing codes, you can look up and see, is it the accurate code and was it priced fairly? Well, what she could see from the emergency room code is that it was coded at a level five emergency room visit. A level five emergency room visit is like the most complicated emergency room visit. It's, <laughs> it's the kind of thing where if a patient shows up unconscious after a drug overdose and has to be resuscitated, or if a oh patient gosh. is in an accident and has like major trauma, that yep. could be a level five. But a child with appendicitis is not a level five. <laughs> they had already billed her insurance plan. They were charging her an additional $465. Jenny just called up because I talk about upcoding a lot in my book and in yep. my videos. Jenny simply called the hospital and said, hey, are you sure this is a level five? Because it just doesn't seem like it would be that complicated of a case. On the spot, they immediately waived the $465 bill. So just in a snap, oh, making one phone call. Sometimes yep. it's really easy if you know yep. the question. You know the question to ask. To ask. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Very easy. Well, so then, Jenny, what I love about this story is she doubled down. She then went to the next hospital where the child had her appendix removed, 
And because they had a large family, she applied for financial assistance and received it and saved more than $4,000 on that bill. Every nonprofit hospital in the country is required to provide financial yep. assistance. Yep. It's very easy to apply. There's even a nonprofit called Dollar Four at dollar4.org mm -hmm. that will do it all for you. You don't mm. even have to do the paperwork. Dollar Four will do it for you for free. Wow. So I encourage people if you know a few tactics and you are willing to apply these principles, you can save thousands of dollars. And that's just one example that I really love. What a story. And to know the question, right? To know what a level five is, that tiny piece of information yeah. probably gave her a ton of confidence to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, why is this coded at a level five? Yep. If you're a regular Joe, you have no idea what a level five is. You just look at them. You don't even know how to read. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Hospital bills are very difficult to understand as are insurance bills. Uh, what a story. I love it. And I know there's hundreds and hundreds. In fact, on LinkedIn, I see people commenting on your posts about, hey, I just used your your book or I, you know, some of these principles saved my family $2,000, et cetera, et cetera, right? I, I see it happening. It's every day. And it's all of us, right? Every one of us gets sick. We all get injured. We're all going to have to deal with the healthcare system. So check it out. Never pay the first bill if we can switch a little, and I think it's it's not too much of a switch because what we're hearing is that you, Marshall, are a person who has your heart kind of around wanting to help people mm -hmm. and to do good in the world, right? And for you, it takes the form of helping people with medical bills and other things. I want to talk about sports. You played sports as a kid? Yeah, I played basketball growing up. Okay. Did you ever have a, a coach who really made an impression on you? It's funny because I love, I love what you're doing with your podcast. And I think I come at it more from a parent point of view. I was mm. never an elite athlete. I mean, I played JV basketball. I played until my senior year of high school. I didn't have the talent. I didn't mm. have the drive. I didn't have the competitive nature to really become an elite athlete. And when I talk about elite, I mean, like college athletics is elite. Most people Absolutely. are going to make it to college. Professional athletics is the super elite. I mean, they yeah. are the best of the best in terms of the athletic ability, the drive, and the competitive spirit. Yep. So for me, when I look at my sports experience growing up, that isn't where I think about coaching the most. I think mm. about it more as a dad and as a family mm. person. And I look at my dad. My dad was the best coach I ever had. My dad and my mom, I could say. But let me just talk about my dad because my dad was kind of an unorthodox coach, okay? My dad actually died just about a year and a half ago. I'm and really sorry. I, yeah, thank you. And I wrote a column and I called the column, what we do is more important than what we say. Hmm. Because my dad was a man of very few words, but what he taught through his raising of me, he modeled integrity. He modeled how to be a good husband. He modeled how to manage his money. He modeled a work ethic. He modeled sacrificing his career aspirations so that he could be with his family. So mm -hmm. I like to kind of say, my dad didn't do like man-to-man -man talks, you know, or like you think about <laughs> yep. like the, the rousing speech that a coach yeah. gives to the team at halftime <laughs> or, you know, before a game. My dad was a quiet guy. Like you could, you could have a dinner at my family's house and my dad would not even really say a word. He would be engaged. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But my mom talked a lot. My dad was just a super <laughs> quiet, introverted guy. 
very strong leader, very strong opinions. He just didn't really talk very much. What's amazing is, and we know this as parents, what we do is more important than what we say. And I think that's true for coaches. I think that's true for parents because kids can sniff out right away whether or not you have integrity, whether mm-hmm. or not you're honest, whether or not you love them and care about them, whether you're a coach, a teacher, or a parent, your kids, they are so smart. And they are so smart at such a young age that yep. they just intuit it. They can just pick it up from you. And so you have got to live with integrity. Whether you are a parent or a coach, your words need to match your actions. And your actions are more important than your words, ultimately. Yeah. Wow. First of all, what a heartfelt and proud dad moment, right? That, that you just talked about. I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking about my own dad and a lot of the things you just said apply with him. And I was thinking about myself as a dad. I just dropped my third son off at college this week and it was hard. Oh, you did too? Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, a yeah, new, so, I'm, I'm an empty nester now. How about you? Oh my gosh. I got one more at home. Thank okay. goodness. Like, thank goodness. Cause I'm starting to feel that when you're a, a parent of young kids, you're like, oh, I can't wait. They just turn 18, leave the house, give me some rest and all that. And then they get there and you're like, please don't go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay here. But I was thinking about it and, as a dad and I'm just taking a little stock of myself. You know, when I'm gone, what will my kids say about me? And and not to get overly dramatic, but I think that that is the question that we as parents and as coaches should be asking ourselves. What impression am I going to leave? What am I going to pass on to my kids and my players so that 20 years from now, when they run into me again as a coach, right? If I see a player 20 years from now, he's married, he's got kids or whatever it is. Does that player want to run up and give me a hug and be like, oh, it's so good to see you. Or is he going to give me the, hey, what's up, coach? Yeah. You know, and the way you talk about your dad modeling the behavior, that's what it's all about. Thank you for sharing that. And I think probably a lot of us, if we think about the coaches, I say that in air quotes, who had the biggest impact on us, we probably do start with our own parents. And that's probably the way it should be. Well, hopefully, and and whether it's for good or for bad, right? I mean, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. a lot of people come from some tough family situations. And so they might be looking at their father or their mother as somebody who maybe modeled for them what they shouldn't do or wasn't there for them, wasn't reliable for them. And so I always like to say, like, I feel very blessed when you come from a family where it's loving, your parents are reliable, Mm. your parents are there to support you and lift you up. It's like having the deck stacked in your favor in life. Yep. Yep. And, And I recognize that many people are not coming from that situation. And so for people like that, they may have to learn it through coaches, through teachers, through other mentors and role models. They may have a lot of things they need to overcome, but what's cool is you do see people overcoming those obstacles all the time. So yep, I want to tell you a story quick. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a coach. He's been listening to my podcast and we've been talking a lot and he's been really trying to adopt some of these principles. And, And by the way, let me make this point. Most parents and coaches, and by the way, most coaches of youth are parents. They, the vast majority are volunteer parents, or they, get, they might get paid, but they're still parents of people who are playing, are not willfully, I call it win first, right? Where they say, I don't care about these children. All I want to do is win. Most don't say that. However, most also 
don't say the opposite, which is I am kid first and I'm here to give these kids an extraordinary life experience that they can build on, right? Most of them are just kind of like, hey, I want to try to win the games and teach the kids these sports. And so my whole thing is how can I start helping people ask the questions of themselves? Say, am I being a little too much win first? How do I know? So all that to say, I'm talking to this coach and he shares a story with me. He just finished tryouts a little while ago and there was a kid that he wanted, that he had some good qualities, but just wasn't very good on the ball. So he decided, yeah, he's not going to make it. So they fill up the roster. And then he said for another week or two, he just had this, this nagging sense that he needs to call and offer this kid a spot on the team. Yeah. Roster's full. So he does it. Mom emails back immediately. Yes. Yes. He would love to be on the field. This is a seven, eight-year-old young kid. Yeah. Love to be on the team. One of the things that I help my, my listeners do is to ask the question of the parents, is there anything I need to know about your kid that will help me be a better coach? Not soccer coach or basketball coach, but a better kid first coach. Yeah. And the parent answering this question breaks down into tears. Wow. And says, we just found out the child had been abused in a certain way and has to testify in court soon. Oh man. And this child is withdrawing and doesn't understand things, right? It's how does an eight-year-old understand that? And then she said, the only time, and the coach is now crying, I'm getting a little teary myself. He's telling me on the phone in tears and he's saying, the only time this kid is happy is when he's at practice, when he's playing soccer with his buddies. Wow. My friend is in tears and he's like, I would never, I would never have called and had them come back on this team. The roster was full, I added a spot. And now because of this, I'm asking everyone of the kid's parents, what do I need to know to help your kid? And what a story, right? That's all we're talking yeah, about is helping, helping kids. It's helping kids. I don't have sponsors, but there's a company that I want to tell you about. Kaye, which is spelled C-A-L-L-E, is a street soccer brand and nonprofit organization. Kaye's mission is to promote community-based street soccer courts where players can play street soccer for free. No coaches, no drills, just play. They donate 10% of all their sales to the nonprofit Free the Game, which builds public street soccer courts around the country. Check them out at kaye.com, C-A-L-L-E.com. I say that to hear when you're talking about modeling and the way that that can impact kids and kids who don't maybe have the best home life or have had, going through some real struggles, they need adults who love them and care way beyond the wins and losses. Yes, yes, absolutely. And ultimately that's what it's about too, because like me, most of us are not elite athletes. You know, you, nope. <laughs> your kids who are playing are average, you know, many of them are average, many of them are below average. And, and of course, some are above average, right? Just <laughs> that's how statistics works. Yep. But very, very few are elite, like that elite level to get to college and play in college or certainly professional. I mean, you know, they're, they're literally one in a million are professionals. And yes. I saw, I heard your statistics you cited on another podcast where you said, I think it was 2% make it to college to play at any level of college. So that's, that's elite right there. And Tiny. so it's not about winning and losing. But it's nope. hard as a parent, while you're watching your kids play, it's hard not to get caught up in that. You know, yeah. you're investing your time, you're looking for the potential in your kid. 
you want your kid to play. You want your kid to play well. You want the team to play well. You want other kids to come through with their role so that your kid can excel. It's tough to keep that kid first mindset as a parent. Yeah. And how have you dealt with that? Because your kids have all played, right? And they played sports at different levels. How have you tried to apply this and try to fight that temptation? Because it is, it's really powerful. And by the way, I always raise my hand and say, I have done all of the bad behavior that I'm trying to help people not do. I understand I'm a hypocrite. I'm, I'm not perfect at this stuff, but I'm really trying, right? That's where my heart wants to be. The pull is powerful. You get so caught up. You're yelling and you want the kids to perform and you get disappointed when they lose and all that. How have you dealt with that? Well, my youngest son, the one that just went off to college, definitely had the most athletic potential. And we just moved about two years ago from New Jersey to Texas. And my son plays Mm. volleyball. So Texas is obsessed with football. Oh, yeah. Football, especially, but also (laughs) basketball, baseball, kind of the traditional boys sports. Volleyball, not so much. Not so big in Texas. So... Very few schools have a volleyball program, so you have to play at the club level. Well, so my son is good. I mean, he's he's good enough to play at the top club level for boys volleyball in the country. Mm-hmm. So we found a good club for him here in Texas. But it was a real challenge because we moved after the tryouts had occurred for wow. his junior year season. Yep. And so his junior year, he played on kind of the B-level team for his age group. And then his senior year, he made the A-level team which was really arguably the top boys volleyball team in Texas. When you move to a new team, well, that team had been playing together for like five oh, years. Yeah. Yep. We had their starting lineup all set. Same coach, same players. And they yep. were, I have to say, really excellent players. So my son wasn't at a level where it was immediately obvious right. or even appropriate that I would say that he should be starting on that team. But I would say he should be playing on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, he was good enough to play, no question. And the challenge, though, as we know, all the parents want their kids to play on the team. There's 12, right. 13, I think they had 13 players on the team. There are six spots on the volleyball court at a time. Some of those kids are not going to play. Nope. And at the same time, this is club level. We went to national tournaments in Chicago, Anaheim, Florida. Yep. Austin, Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, we're, we're traveling. You're investing wow. a ton of money and time yep. to play at this level. My wife and I are like, and we're, we're on a tight budget. I mean, thankfully we could afford <laughs> this, but we got, now we have three kids in college this year. So we're, we're, I can't we even, we're not just loaded with money to be spending thousands of dollars on volleyball for nothing, quote unquote, right? Yep. For nothing. Yep. What is it? Yep. But we knew this was going to be tough. We go to the first tournament. Oh, so I, I, communicated with the coach before I said, Hey coach, I texted him. I said, I don't want to be the bossy parent or anything, but I just want to make sure that we're not investing all this time and money in volleyball. Mm -hmm. If Cody, my son is not going to play, like, I I don't want him, I don't want to go to these tournaments and invest all this time and money flying across the country. If he's going to sit on the bench the whole time. And the coach wrote back to me, said, that will not happen. That will not happen. That's what he said. So we go to Chicago for the first tournament. My son sat the bench the entire tournament. He did not not get in one time. Oh, bummer. He did not get in one time. And I mean, my wife and I, we both went. We're sitting there. No, I love boys volleyball. So that's cool. That's great. I love watching volleyball. The other parents on the team were amazing. They welcomed us. 
even though we were a new family to the team. That's great. They were totally cool. The other kids on the team were great. So this is not about, you know, nope. the parents or the kids or even even the coach necessarily. But what do you do when you invest all this time yep. and then you're not even playing? He didn't even see the court. Oh. I mean, he might he might have seen maybe garbage minutes for like two minutes of the of the entire three day tournament. But oh more or less, gosh. it was all on the bench. Yeah. The funny thing is, though, he had a great time. He had a great hmm. time. Like my son loves the camaraderie of a team. He was getting better and better playing in practices. He was engaged. He was ready to play. He could have played and he could have contributed. And so we had to make sure that we weren't bringing him yes. down with our attitudes. Yes, so, you nailed it. Yes. So, okay, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Go so ahead. He wanted to play. He was bummed he wasn't playing, but it didn't ruin the weekend for him. We were mad. It ruined the weekend <laughs> for us. <laughs> yep. And, yep. And, and I mean, so we're sitting there stewing on the sidelines. My mindset was, okay, look, the attitude that we need to have and that I need to have is that I want him to reach his full potential. That's all. If his full potential is to play in college, that would be great. We'd love for him to play in college. If it's not, no problem. Or if he chooses not to, no problem. If his full potential is to start on this team, it would be great if he started on this team. But if he's not that good, then no problem, you know, because the other Fine. players yeah. were very strong. Yeah. As the season went on, though, he continued to not play at tournament after tournament while he improved and got better and better and better. So at a certain mm -hmm. point, it became to me and to some of the other parents on the team who we talked to, it became obvious that he could have been playing. Now, I'm not saying he should have been starting over someone else. Yeah. The other players yeah. were really good. But the team actually could have benefited by adding him to the, the rotation, mm -hmm. and the coach didn't do it. And even in the last tournament in Nationals, the coach did not put Cody in until the very last match. He finally put him in. Cody performed great. And then the coach comes after me after the, the tournament, and he says, Cody did great. And I was like, yeah, coach. <laughs> That's because he's a really good player. Yeah. And the coach yeah. says to me, he goes, you know, in hindsight, I really should have played him more. I, oh. said, I said, yeah. I said, coach, I said, you should go tell Cody that. Yeah. Go talk to Cody about that. I didn't criticize him. Good. I wanted to. Of course. Um, I think he deserved it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. No, I think so. I think but, there's, a, there's, yeah, there's those opportunities. And in fact, you said some really powerful things about Cody and Cody sounds like an awesome kid, by the way, and bravo to you guys for raising him in a way that he's learned what I call the heart lessons, because no kid can step into a situation like that, where I'm sure he's starting and playing in New Jersey, right? I'm sure he's, he's yes. got a team and he's a star and he's doing all that. Step into a new move in the middle of high school, yes. hard time to move, right? I've yeah. done that. I know the feeling. New team, and then bench, 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 but show up to practice every day. And you said he was getting better. So that means he was showing up to practice and trying and yeah. he was invested. And then you said that he went to that tournament in Chicago and had a blast, but you guys were mad. This is hilarious. This is like the perfect, the perfect example of what we parents, sports parents have to deal with. You guys were mad because you were thinking about adult things. Yes. The money, the time, the investment. Oh, and you were feeling bad on behalf of your child. Yes. Meanwhile, your child is like 
this is a blast. This is fun. I'm hanging out with my teammates. Yeah. I love winning. Like the team's winning. We're doing well. Yeah, I'd like to play more. But whatever. So that right there is the dichotomy of youth sports. Yes, where adults is. get caught up in the adult way of thinking. We forget what it's like to be kids. You know, kids love. And in fact, we should talk. Well, we'll talk about it another time. But there's a study that talks about what makes sports fun for kids. And winning isn't until number 48 out of 81. Hmm. Okay, 48 out of 81. That's when winning comes in. The top five or six are all about having good teammates, positive coaching, trying hard, good physical exercise, having a yeah. chance to play, not necessarily playing all the time, but having a chance to play. Yes. Us us adults miss that. And so you I love that you you just told that story because it's it perfectly lines up with the struggle that I think all parents are dealing with. Yes. And not only that, like you said, Cody is a great, great kid. And for him to come after his junior year had started, play on a lower level team his first year, which was a little mm -hmm. frustrating at times for him, and then make the best team. But then we know the dynamics, right? The team is established. The coach is established. He has his go-to players. Yep. You understand the dynamic going into it. And so you mm -hmm. see why things happen the way they do. Yep. But still, it can be extremely frustrating. But the bigger picture is, what is life all about? <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you often don't get your way in life. You, <laughs> know? Right. you often want that promotion, or you deserve that promotion, or you deserve to get that job that you've been pushing for. You don't yep. get it. You don't get the yep. promotion. In fact, sometimes it's worse than that. You get beat up by your boss <laughs> unfairly sometimes, yep. you know, like we've all had that situation where you have a setback that's not necessarily your fault and you have to overcome something. And so what yep. I really admired about Cody was he kept a great attitude through the whole process. But I will say this, Cody also knew by the end of the season that he should have been on the court. Mm -hmm. Cody knew that he was good enough to contribute to that team and make mm -hmm. that team better and that he deserved playing time. He wasn't just happy-go-lucky, I don't care if I play. No. He was like chomping at the bit to play. He was ready mm -hmm. to play. And when he did finally get that opportunity in the final match of the final tournament, he performed great. Yep. But he still kept a positive attitude even through it. And that right there is going to help him a lot more in life than probably if he would have been made a starter on the team, right? It's because it's about integrity, which yeah. what you already talked about, right? He showed up to practice knowing that his role was to be there, work as hard as he could, support the team, and when the coach called on him, be ready to perform. Yeah. That's integrity that he just demonstrated. Guess where he got that from? He got that from parents who have demonstrated that. Guess where you got that from? From a parent who demonstrated. Yeah. You've already told this story, right? So as I hear this, yeah, youth sports is not about the trophies and the medals. And yeah, every kid wants to play. What you just said was that Cody behaved with integrity and in the face of setbacks, he stuck with it and he performed in the way that he knew was the right thing. So when he goes to college, he's now going to be faced with a hundred choices of how to behave. Right. And that integrity is going to stick with him. I mean, yeah. what a gift. Yeah. What a will. gift to him. It will. And I also just want to emphasize that, man, those, those guys on that team were awesome. Like... Hmm. So for, for him, moving to a new school, new city, his junior year, mm -hmm. those guys on the team, I mean, they were great, great friends. The families on the team, awesome, awesome families. 
So even though there are some of these dynamics that go on on the court, because not everybody can get the playing time they want, not everybody always performs as well as they want, this team really demonstrated such a healthy dynamic Hmm. in terms of everybody wants to play, but not everyone will be able to play. But the the guys on the team were brothers. They were bonded. They had a lot of fun together. And so the value, again, I'm looking at it as the parent writing the checks using my mileage points to fly the country, <laughs> you know, but, but really you, you see the value is greater than whether or not they play on the court. And so when I look back at the season, if I would have known at the beginning, he wouldn't play at all. We might've not done it. Looking back on it after the fact, knowing that he didn't play, absolutely. I would do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. It was worth it. Yep. because of what he learned, because he improved. He improved a ton. In fact, he's going to go out for the team at the, at the college he's at. There's a chance he could make the team. It's a Division One team, so it's a yep. long shot. But he'll continue to play volleyball. He's already yeah. playing sand volleyball at college. He can play club volleyball at college. He's going to play volleyball for the rest of his life. So yep. there, there's huge value, even if yep. your kid is the one riding the bench. And as we kind of wrap up here... I. I think this is this conversation has been just right on the head of what I've been trying to kind of articulate about what it means to be a sports parent. So many of us either played, right? And I played in college and, uh, you know, elite. It, it is elite by, the, by definition of the statistics. Yeah. I wasn't an elite player. But I have in my life, and certainly many parents around that I've observed, forgotten why kids play sports. And you just described it perfectly. He loved the camaraderie. And by the way, good on those boys and their parents who taught them those really important heart lessons. So they, totally. they could have looked at been like, dude, you're from Jersey? Ew. Yeah. Like, get out of here. Right? I'm from Southeast Pennsylvania. So, you know, hated playing the New Jersey soccer teams growing yeah. up. Anyways, they could have been different. And if the parents had been win first... They would have gotten in there and meddled and messed around and maybe maybe they would have ruined the experience yeah. for those kids. My call out to the sports parent world is just let it go, man. Let it yeah. go. Let the kids play. Let them have the experiences they're having. Drop this thing that drives so many of us that my kid has so much talent that if I don't push him, push him, push him, and I don't clear the way and make sure everything's going to work perfectly, he's not going to become a pro. hate to break it to you guys. The things that make a kid a professional player are some that you can control and many that you cannot. Right. So stop trying to control things you can't control. Let the kids have an amazing experience like you just described with Cody. He's going to take that with him. He's probably going to stay friends with those guys for a while, right? Like they got him through, by the way, we didn't talk about this, but they got him through high school in a new state. I'm sure those those teammates were his buddies. Absolutely. Yeah, as a parent... You can really ruin that dynamic. Mostly, I had a good attitude, I have to say. I mean, after that first tournament, yep, yep, I mostly had a good attitude, although in the last tournament, I, I think he should have played, so that was more of a struggle. But, but yep. I, I did keep the big picture in mind. I, I wasn't good. peppering the coach. I didn't even talk to the coach about it through the season. I didn't complain to the other parents. Bravo. We, we had some Bravo. conversations about it, but yep. we kept it positive and constructive yep. and looked at the big picture. Because a parent has an ability to ruin it for their kid and also for their whole team. You know, the other parents, the coaches, one parent complaining can really, really ruin things. And like you said, 
these kids are not going pro, okay? If your kid is good enough to go pro, they're going to be starting. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Right. They're going to get there. They're yeah. going to get there. They're going to get there. But 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 these kids are most in, in most cases not going pro. Let it play out. Don't feel like you have to take control. Respect the yep. coaches, respect the role they have, respect the other parents and just trust that things are going to work out because they will. Amen, man. That that you just summed it up. I don't need to say anything else. Having sports parents on who are kid first mentality like yourself, not perfect. Okay. Not perfect. We right. still want our kids to compete, but this kid first mentality that you just described, that's going to change the experience our kids have around sports. Cause remember, it's just about life. That's all it is. It's just about life. And we're trying to give these kids a gift of an extraordinary life experience through sports. We can do better. Us parents, we can do better. The kids deserve it. That's in my opinion, they deserve it. Marshall, you're a kid-first sports dad, and you're a people-first person with the work you're doing with your book and with your academy. And please check it out, marshallallen.com. He's got so many good things going on. Please look, read his book. It will help you or it will help somebody of your family or a neighbor, someone at church, somebody who needs help. Read the book, give him the book. It'd be awesome. Marshall, I hope we can stay in touch and be friends. You're an amazing guy. Thanks a lot, David. It's been great to be here with you. This is Coach Dave from Kid First Sports. We're out. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Share with all your friends. Tune in for new episodes as we grow this movement to keep youth sports about the kids. 